Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, July 22, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? They're working their way up to the breakdown candle high. We talked about it yesterday. Inside the numbers members were tired of hearing about it today. Simply put, from a daily chart perspective, that's what they're doing. In fact, as I make this video, they're still pushing up in the after-hour session. Still have yet to reach 436, but they're about 20 cents away. You can see it on the top of the screen, 435.79 by 79. Can they make new highs? Of course they can make new highs. As we know from the prior discussions, As we know from simply just looking at the chart, they've basically reset the tape one more time. A low, higher low, higher low, recock the gun, reset the weapon, whatever you want to call it, they've done it again. One time, one of these situations will certainly fail, but we don't anticipate the failure. What we do is we analyze the chart that's in front of us each and every day We take the market at face value and we react to what happens, which will begin on a shorter time frame and it will morph from there. How strong is this breakdown candle high up at 436, give or take? Well, here's the situation. We go now to Friday morning. The market's gapping above that price. New highs are in play. They're on the docket, certainly on what could be another floater Friday. On the flip side, and remember, we're the umpire calling balls and strikes. So on the flip side, they open up slightly down tomorrow. They can't get through 436. What does that tell you? It tells you until they're ready to bust through 436 under normal garden variety conditions, it is overhead resistance. And on the first hit, there's typically a reaction in the other direction. However, the caveat is, Sometimes, and we don't really know yet because they haven't really tried to get through it on this run up. They're just getting there now. But sometimes when a market has a difficult time, for example, getting through a number, whether it's in the northern direction or something down south, instead of beating on it day after day after day, what they do is they'll gap over or under a number, and that's the easy way to get to the next number. Now, we're going to take a sidebar for a moment. As you know, sometimes, from time to time, I like to watch our favorite financial news channel for what I like to call material. Usually, when something is going on, like the market's moving, it got a spark, some big news event happened, I can pick up some good material on those days. This morning, it happened to have the sound on, so I'm listening, And our favorite commentator, or I should say opinionator, came on and he's blabbering about this, that, and the other thing. And when I say our favorite commentary, we're talking about one James Kramer. Now, I don't have an opinion about the man, the individual, the trader, the commentator, the media personality, whatever. I don't have a comment one way or the other. All I have is an analysis of commentary he made. Here it is. He's talking about the pandemic. He goes on to talk about the Delta 3 variant. Maybe there's another variant. Whatever the case is, they're doing a pretty good job of 
a little bit of fear-mongering. We're not turning this into a vaccine conversation, a coronavirus conversation. We're turning it into a market conversation. There's a method to the madness. Stay with me. So, Mr. Kramer is discussing the pandemic and how things could be getting worse. So then he goes on to make an analogy. He draws the analogy to the pandemic of 1918. I believe they called it the Spanish flu. I believe about 50 million people worldwide perished. Now, I understand on one hand, he's saying, boy, I hope we don't have to go down that path, but everybody hopes we don't go down that path. There's no point in drawing that into the conversation. But wait, there's more. Of course, he's a market guy. Now he has to discuss how the market's basically around the highs. So how do you marry that conversation between the pandemic of 1918 that wiped out 50 million people and a stock market that's at all-time highs? And here it comes. He says something like this. I'm paraphrasing. I didn't write it down. He says something like this. Herd immunity could be painful and things could get bad in the short run over the next few months, but the market is looking past all that and that's why it's at all-time highs. Now, if you're just passively listening to stuff like this, you're not really thinking about it like I do. You just blow right by it. You don't even remember he said it 30 seconds later. It's not really consequential to your daily thinking. But I'm different. I listen to the words. The man is on television speaking to a community that's listening to his financial commentary. Whether you like him or don't like him, that doesn't matter. They're listening, people are listening to him. They're taking action based on what he says. And that's what he said. And if you pick it apart and think logically, what he said was that things are going to get really, really bad, but the market doesn't care. It's looking past all that because it knows that after things get bad, they're going to get better. Sorry, Jimmy. That's not the way things work. So you're saying... That all the people that are in the market buying and selling on a regular basis, they're thinking about this and they're saying, well, let me see. I know things are going to get bad with the pandemic, but I don't think the market's going to go down as a result of that. It's going to look past all that. So I'm going to keep buying and not worry about the Spanish flu type of pandemic from 1918, which he brought into the conversation. Do you see how crazy that sounds? Listen, the way I look at it, there's really three types of people that watch these shows, and they fall into really three categories is what I should say. There's watchers that watch passively. I described that earlier. So they're just listening in the background. They're not really paying attention until something clicks that they're really focused on that's important to them. Then there are the trusters that listen, and whatever somebody says on TV, because they're on TV, they must be right. So nobody ever really, or that type of person, really doesn't challenge what's being said to them. And then there are people like me that are few and far between. I listen to the words, I pick it apart, I analyze it, I overanalyze it. And then if it's warranted, and specifically because it's summertime, we have to do a roast. All right, we're moving along, we're back in our lane. 436 is the number. Do we open above it on Friday or do we stay below it? If they stay below it, it's still not necessarily a walk in the park. And by the way, I'll say this, If they don't open above it tomorrow, you have to ask yourself, why not? Meaning, 
if they don't open above it, then why would they immediately run above it after the opening bell? So my point here is if they open below it, I'm taking that as it's probably more overhead resistance than it might have appeared as the market was creeping higher all day or afternoon today. Just food for thought. When you look at a 240 chart, you can see if they get over 436, they're already challenging the former highs. And on a Friday in the summer, don't be surprised if, in fact, they open above 436, I would bet on a closing new all-time high. How about inside the numbers? Now, here's the deal today with inside the numbers. Obviously, the market was quiet, didn't really do much except grind its way up toward 436. A little bit of back and forth here and there, but there was nothing juicy from a trader's perspective. However, you need to read the commentary. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I'm going to point out a couple of things, but you need to read it because my goal, even if nothing is happening in the market, is to teach something to inside the number members on an ongoing basis, at least at a bare minimum of something every single day. There's a lot of stuff up in this crowded head of mine. It comes out little by little. And frankly, I wish there was a way to categorize everything that's up inside my head Obviously, dangerous place to be, as you know. In fact, I think the only way to do it would be to get something like the Dewey Decimal System on steroids. Those of you young guns out there who don't know what the Dewey Decimal System is, look it up. Zero Dark 30, early thoughts, 436 right out of the chute. We know that's the target. If they're pushing higher, that's the target. If they fall out of bed and they break down and they can't even get there, that's a different thing. But if they're floating, we know that's going to be the target. We had two numbers on the south side of importance, 434.55 and 433. Just to get the visual, right of the vertical is today's activity five-minute chart. 434.55, that was essentially the gap left open from yesterday. They opened a little above it. They filled the gap. They hovered around it back and forth, back and forth. They never got to what I would consider a buy area for today. I was willing to buy the market Inside the numbers, members knew I was willing to buy the market at 433. They never got there. And as we know, it's my number or the highway. I'm not willing to buy somebody else's number. I didn't have a better buy area for me from where I sit than 433. So the market floated around. It floated higher. I know where it's going. Traders inside the numbers know where it's going. We know it's going to 436. If you want to be on board for that, that's up to you. It's not a trade I like to have. It's not a buy high and sell higher trade. That's not my type of trade. It's not my cup of tea. Doesn't mean it's not for other people. Inside the numbers, there's something for everybody. We'll circle back to stocks on the move later. Let's get the day underway. We'll see what was important. And then we'll scroll up and let you read the rest of the commentary on your own. Go back and double check the work on the charts. Pay attention to this one, 918. I adjusted a number for DHI from stocks on the move. That'll come into play later. Right out of the chute, they're trying to fill the gap left open from yesterday. Now, some traders may have chose to buy the gap, but it wasn't for me. I was willing to buy 433. We're moving along. Let's see what else we have. And there you have it at 938. I would buy 433 for a long side scalp trade. Let's move along, see what else we have. 436. So earlier in the day, if they ran up to 436, I would have expected a reaction in the other direction that would have represented a short trading opportunity. So now we bring out some other numbers. 
if they break above 434.75 and close candles above, the door opens for 436. Let's go see what 434.75 has to offer. Not much more than 434.55. It's only 20 cents ahead. But there's always multiple ways to look at the same thing. So here on the hourly chart, I notice the first hour of the day closes at 434.71. The second hour of the day closes at 434.69. The third hour of the day closes at 434.26. Little bit of a dipsy doodle there. Then they close above, and that was it, and they went higher or grinded higher for the rest of the day. But the first two hours or so of the day told me, again, it reconfirmed that that number from earlier was, in fact, important. We're moving along. Let's see what else we have. Uh, quiet tape again, 947. That seems to be a current theme. And here you go. As the day begins to unfold, by 10.02, I'm saying the only action for me would be 436 or 433. In between, it's a chop shop formation, and I don't want it. Let's see what else we have. Oh, we have a chart. I love this. We'll get to this later also, but I can't help but show it now since it's already inside the numbers. So 10.07, I'm looking around the horn. What are the transports doing? What's the IWM doing? What the semiconductors doing? All kinds of stuff. The red line is the weekly number that we all know about. It's 217.67. So I see what's going on in the IWM. It's melting away. So here it is. Who doesn't think the IWM would have a bull bear battle down there if reached? Where are they going? They're going to run a test of 217.67. Who didn't know that while they were on their way? So they're going back and forth. I'm scrolling up. There's nothing going on in the SPY. 435.25 is the next way station. Here, back to the visual, 435.25 is the next way station. They ran up there, went sideways for just a few minutes, and then they went above it. It's not something of a tangible or actionable thing. We're just doing the same thing that we do every day, providing the numbers, providing what the market's going to do, where it's going to run into resistance or support, a la what are important numbers. Sometimes they're close by. Sometimes there's nothing to do, even if we know they're going there, or even if we know they're going to get there. When they get there, there's still nothing to do. But we're doing the same thing because a day like today is not necessarily the same day at one point next week or two weeks from now or tomorrow. We don't know. It's good to have the numbers. It's good to have the practice, get the exercise, the understanding of how this works so that when the market does get into the rodeo scenario, and it will, you have a comfort level of how inside the numbers works. We're moving along. So now we know above 435.25, Again, the door opens for 436. They didn't get there by the close, but they did get there after the close. Kind of like the thieves in the night. All right, so let's scroll up. You can read the notes, double check the work. And oh, by the way, who didn't know this was coming? Update by 115. SPY's doing the thing where they're trying to make the run, but they never get there. We know that. Who didn't know the IWM was going to do this? They come in to run the test, you have the bull bear battle, the bulls win, and there you go. Let's see what we have going into the end of the day. You can obviously pause the video, read the notes, double check the work. I urge you to do that. 
Stocks on the move. Again, with these floater type of days, the stuff, the stuff that's moving in the pre-market doesn't even get to the numbers sometimes, most of the time, when the market's as quiet as it is. That will change, but that's what we had today once again. DHI, remember, I updated the number closer to the opening bell, and it paid off. 86.79 was the number on the board. Here's a five-minute chart. Big buzz cut at the open. Closed yesterday around 91.5. Comes into the number, goes back and forth for a little while, takes off to the upside, does the deal, minimum required base hit, and then some. Remember, base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. This one went all the way up to about 90 bucks, over $3 from the entry. That's way better than a base hit. Lazy E-mini trader, continuing education with these videos here. Here's a 30-minute chart. This is an idea of where this came from, right? Here's the spot. And when you look at this, you say, well, okay. So the market broke out from here, went all the way up. And we know it broke out because it ran up to this spot and it couldn't get through it right away. So it went back and forth at eight time off the clock. Then it finally broke out. So it came back to run a test of the most recent breakout area. Now, we're going to make a case that that's a breakout area that's a breakout area, and you can see that's also an important area. They did hang around there for a little while. So there's always multiple breakout areas. It's part science, part art form. Which breakout area is good for the morning trade? Which one goes on the board for stocks on the move? That's why I get paid the big bucks. I mean, after all, why not this down here? And furthermore, when you expand the chart, and you go to a daily chart, for example, I can come up with other or different areas that would have also been good for a trade a lot lower. How do you know that it's going to be 86.79 today? Well, we don't know going into the day, but that's the part art form, part science, and also understanding how to read the tape on the bigger picture. What kind of stock is it? What industry is it from? Is the whole industry getting killed? Is it just one stock? Is it earnings related? Is it news related? Is it something else related? Are they just running a test of an important number from the previous day? Maybe so. That happens a lot. The stuff that you find on my stocks on the move list that are down maybe two or 3% on the morning, that's running a test of an important number that showed up yesterday. How you doing? What's going on over in camp? IWM. Let me explain all this stuff. I'm kind of giving you the entire IWM thing as I see it. So here we have 217.67. That's the red line. We all know what that represents. We talked about it just earlier. It represents that weekly chart breakup candle low. Where are they going to close the week tomorrow afternoon? They ran a test of it today. They didn't close the day that far away. They're making it a photo finish. Here's the weekly chart, there's the red line, there's the weekly chart, breakup candle low, 217.67. No change. Now, up north, we have a convergence of moving averages, and there's two lines. There's one at 223.50, call it 223.50 to 224. We're simply looking at this breakdown candle high. Then above, which would be above the moving averages, would account for the next breakdown candle high, and a spike of the moving averages. So if I was going to take a short trade, that's where I wanted to do it if they got there yesterday or today. The longer it takes, 
The more things change, the charts are dynamic, that's the way it works. For example, what happens if they start eating time off the clock down here for like another three, four, five days? Well, if they do that, then they've essentially done one of these deals, went up, built energy for another move higher, and then they can move through this area. We don't know that they would or will, but they could. The longer they eat time off the clock under it, the more energy they're building to move up to the next spot. Where's the next spot? Depends on how much energy they build. You see the way this works? Net, net. It's all going to come down to 217.67 tomorrow, at least for tomorrow. And so, by the way, here we are again with a divergence. IWM is down 1.27%, while the SPY's up about half a percent. How you doing? Divergences will self-correct. The question is, which way? Does the IWM catch up in the northern direction to the S&P 500? Or does the S&P 500 fail at 436? And I understand they're above it now. That doesn't mean they'll open above it by 930 tomorrow. They may, they may not. We don't know that. But if the SPY or the S&P fails at that spot and they turn around, are they going to catch up with the IWM, which if that's the case, will be also going lower yet below 217.67. So we don't know. It's interesting how this thing unfolds. The 11th hour, the photo finish, right on the numbers. That's the way it works. And by the way, does it work this way if you're not aware that this is the way it works? Yes. It's the thing where does a tree make a sound if it falls in the forest when nobody's there? And the answer is, of course it does. Why is the RSP down on a day today when the SPY was up one half of 1%? Why is that? Or whatever they were up by the close. I'm looking at it now, but it includes the after hours. So they were up. We'll just call it up slightly. Two-tenths of 1% on the S&P cash index just to correct myself. The folks down at the transportation department, they're in the red. So my two favorite market leading indicators plus the equal weight index are all down today. S&P 500 is up. Is this a rope-a-dope? It does have somewhat of a rope-a-dope-ish feeling. There's really no change to the big picture on the transports. They're below three out of the four moving averages on the daily chart. The weekly close will be important. Are they going to be able to rally this thing back to close above the 20-week moving average? Are they going to have a bullish close to the week, Friday floater, everything inflates? It's always possible. It's always on the table. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week. The Q people around the old highs, nothing to see here. Nothing wrong with this chart. Above all the moving averages, trend is your friend until she dumps you the whole thing. The whole kit and caboodle. We just move along. IWM down. Equal weight S&P down. Transports down. Financials down. What the heck was up? Tech was up. Tech's always up. We just looked at the Q people. Tech is the crowded trade. We know about the crowded trade. When they get out of the crowded trade with no choice, and that will happen at some point, it winds up to be everybody running for the exit at the same time. It's shoving 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. What's the crowded trade? It's the stuff that pushes up the non-equal weighted index when other stuff's going in the other direction. It's the top 
five, six, seven, eight stocks. We know the names. This is nothing new. We've seen this before. Smash Mouth down. So I'm not going to go over the list again, but you can see there was a lot of stuff down underneath the covers today. But this is when it's interesting. But this one is interesting. So look where we are. So we have a big breakup candle yesterday. They don't get above this breakdown candle high. Well, on the first run, we don't expect them to anyway. But now they closed right back below the 20-period moving average. But we know the 20-period moving average really isn't as important as it once was or once would be because they've been cutting back and forth through it. It diminishes the importance of that moving average. So when I look at a chart like this, I'm not really looking at the moving average. What I'm looking at is the breakup candle and the breakdown candle. And I'm saying, what's going to happen here? Is this repelling price and we're going to get a rejection? Or was this a bullish close? They're just eating some time off the clock, building energy to make the next leg higher. They're close enough to the all-time highs where you have to give them the nod and say, hey, any excuse, any spark, and they're going to be at the all-time highs once again. Can't make a federal case out of down less than 1% after a run for the last three days like this. So the low the other day was 242. All of a sudden yesterday on high, 257. So that's in a flash. So now they came down a couple of bucks off that. It's not a big deal. Can't make a federal case out of that. It's all a matter of perspective. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.